Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. Continuing on with our back to school series uh, this week. And this is like sort of a, a supercharged back to school week because I think both of the episodes that we'll have really are sort of back to school basics, that kind of thing. But before we get begin, I do want to remind you that there is a, a website associated with this uh, podcast called WealthFormula.com, and that's where you want to go in particular right now if you are an accredited investor and interested in potentially participating in um, private deal flow. And uh, we have a bunch of uh, stuff coming up that's really intriguing. We have um, been relatively quiet for the last year um, but uh, things are starting to pick up. The markets are uh, giving us opportunities. So if you are an accredited investor, get onboarded by going to wealthformula.com and joining Investor Club. Now, uh, as for today's show, well, you know, you got all this uh, investment stuff that we're talking about, but there uh, is, uh, uh, you know, there is some other things that we haven't touched that in, one in particular that uh, I, I think about and I think, well, gosh, well, maybe this is all, all you really need. And in theory, it kind of covers everything. Um, and so it, it, it potentially is something that could simplify stuff, right? But um, so, so far we've covered asset protection, estate planning, and also my capital allocation strategy. But wouldn't it be great if you could just hit all these important concepts with a single investment? Well, as it turns out, you sort of can theoretically. And well, let me back up and tell you a story. Uh, when I was fresh out of surgical residency, you now that's like 2009 or so, I started to make some money. I started looking for advice on what to do with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I just I didn't want to like just go and uh, find a financial advisor and and say, hey, here's my money, and uh, you do with it what you think best. Uh, that just wasn't really sort of in my DNA. But one of the questions I asked uh, those around me about was the question of life insurance. I, I was a newlywed um, and had a, a, a baby on the way. Uh, that baby, by the way, Camilla, she just started uh, high school, which is kind of crazy to me about how quickly that happened. Um, and you should follow her on Instagram. Camilla Joffrey, uh, she's got these uh, cute little songs going on, and uh, and they, she she writes songs and stuff like that. But follow her on Instagram. Anyway, so I started asking around when uh, you know Camilla was not quite born yet. I asked around and and thought, well, gosh, you know, I, w- I want to make sure I cover the insurance thing, but I keep hearing about these things called term life insurance versus permanent life insurance. You know, up to now, no one, I I didn't really have anybody relying on me, so I didn't really think about it, but I had to get something. And so, I, so one of the um, younger surgeons that, uh, that was working at this uh, uh, cosmetic surgery uh, place I was working at, he was a bit of a know-it-all. He had a lot of advice, you know, the type, a lot of advice about everything, acted like he had it all together and figured it out. And all that advice that he had, most of it was not good. And as it turns out, his facelifts weren't that good either because I started having to revise them just a few months later after he left. And man, it's just terrible. Anyway, I listened to what he had to say and what he told me 
and told me very confidently, by the way, was to buy term and invest the difference. And I had never heard those terms before, uh, th those words before like that. But as it turns out, that's a pretty common phrase, buy term and invest the difference. In other words, don't buy permanent life insurance. Stick to term life insurance. And with the money you don't put into that permanent life insurance policy, throw it back into the stock market. Okay, so that was one perspective I had. Now, there was another guy. This was an older guy, you know. Uh, it was 2009, and apparently he was planning to retire until the whole financial meltdown thing kicked his butt. Now, for me, luckily, I was already broke in 2009, so it didn't really affect me. But this was the guy at the end of his career, and um, he basically came back because he had to. Uh, and what he told me was that he he wished that uh, he'd bought more permanent life insurance because that was pretty much all he had left now. Now, I got, I was like, really? Wow, that's crazy. And so you would have thought, you would have thought I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm all over that permanent life insurance thing. And, you know, the situation obviously was illustrative. I mean, there was a, a, a sense there that, you know, you could have, uh, something safe that was growing in the background. But when I looked at him and his situation, I felt like I needed to do something completely the opposite of whatever this guy suggested because I didn't want to end up like him. So I ended up uh, doing what the first guy said, the young and confident guy, and just buying term. And I didn't think about it again until a couple years later when I started my own um, business, businesses and, and making making a fair amount of money. Right. And at that time, uh, I was part of a mastermind with a bunch of uh, high net worth business people. And some of them were ultra high net worth. By the way, what is the difference between high net worth and ultra high net worth? Good question. I'm not exactly sure. But some people tell me uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the ultra high net worth class is, uh, you know, five million or above net worth. But uh, I, w I would say probably at least 10 million. That was mine. When I say ultra high net worth, I would say 10 to 20 million. That's what I would think. Anyway, at some point, life insurance came up in this group, right? And several of them, particularly the, the ones who were ultra high net worth, um, talked about premium finance permanent life insurance policies. Now, it occurred to me that a lot of high net worth people in that group were buying permanent life insurance despite what that know-it-all surgeon had told me. Very clearly. I mean, like it was it was like a, you'd be a complete nincompoop to, to buy permanent life insurance. But these guys in this room were rich and they were not nincompoops. Anyway, a few few later, I just a few years later, uh, I decided to look back into my options. And what I discovered was that both of those doctors originally that I talked to, the young guy and the old guy, they were both giving me advice uh, on uh, permanent life insurance, but that permanent life insurance was something that it didn't need to be, which is a poor yielding but stable investment with some estate planning benefits. Now, the reason, the reason for that was that most professionals only get to see poorly designed policies that are primarily created to maximize the commissions for those who sell insurance. And certainly there's an estate planning element as well, but Really, they're just useless. They're not very good. And, and what they think when they see that permanent life insurance is not the same permanent life insurance that that ultra high net uh, worth group is talking about. Permanent life insurance means different things for the middle class than it does the rich. And when you start getting into financial strategies, and that is where the confusion lies. That is where the confusion lies. They're like looking at apples and oranges. They're not looking at the same thing, right? So the policies that the high net worth group had were designed very differently and optimized for investment purposes. And in fact, in the high net worth world, these policies have a special name. You know, people call them LERPs, L-I-R-P-S-S, LERPs. And that stands for Life Insurance Retirement Plan. Okay, now permanent life insurance in this world plays a role in not only uh, risk mitigation and estate planning, but also in retirement income and asset protection. So the more I learned about these strategies, the more, frankly, they became no-brainers for me. Um, by the way, I say I talk about the difference between these 
uh, these, you know, the same name, permanent life insurance for the middle middle class and the rich. I'm including high paid professionals in that middle class frame because that's usually the people that we, you know, when we start making money, those are the people we meet. We don't we don't meet the special, um, you know, the advisors for the ultra high net worth, right? I know I know for a fact that a number of you do have those kinds of advisors, and that's awesome, but. Most guys coming out of training, whatever, if you're a physician or dentist or whatever, you, you don't have access to those guys right away, right? Maybe when you sell your practice, you have access to those guys, but not then. So that's why I'm calling that the middle, middle class. That's what you're seeing most of the time. Now, as for this other approach, this stuff uh, that I'm talking about, sort of the LERPs and the you know, more uh, uh, profitable stuff, the guys that taught me the most about this are actually, you know, Rod Zabriskie and Christian Allen. They, they've designed all my policies for the last, I don't know, for a long time, for a decade or so. And um, they not, they've also designed policies for a lot of people in our group. Now, on this, week, uh, uh, this week's episode, what I'm going to do is, it is still back-to-school uh, episode, right? What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to have uh, Rod and Brennan uh, you you may know them from talking to them if you've already had a consult, but there are guys on on that wealth formula banking team. Um, what I'm going to do is kind of talk about insurance A to Z and this perspective on you know what it is that life insurance role really is and what it can be uh, in 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 personal finance. And I think this is a critically critically important. Um, uh, podcast to listen to because again this is to me one of the most you know um, least understood things from from individuals um, in the uh, you know the the high, high high paid professional space because there's so much misinformation on this but obviously I'm a big advocate um, and I I um, I use this stuff and I feel really good about it so when we come back Rod and Brennan. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My guests today on Wealth Formula Podcast are probably pretty well known to most of you. They're Rod Zabriskie and Brandon McConnell, the guys uh, who are involved with Wealth Formula Banking or Permanent Life Insurance um, Partners. And uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks. And, you know, uh, the reason for this show is, is uh, we talked a little bit offline, is that we're going back. We're going back to basics. Kids are back to school. Uh, and I think we need to go back to school because, uh, you know, in the last few years, now I've, I've got so many shows, right? Uh, and we've been talking so much about, like, you know, big macro things and the economy and what's going on out there. That sometimes uh, I think I lose focus on the fact that ultimately people want to learn personal finance and they want to think about their own finance, regardless of what the economy is and what are the pieces to that. So, so far we've talked about things like asset protection. We talked about estate planning and we've talked a little bit about, you know, investing. And what's interesting about what we're going to talk about today is, believe it or not, the concept of life insurance really applies to all of those things, right? Yeah. So let me start with this question, okay? Um, when I, there, you know, I always tell this story, and some people have heard this before, but my discovery of like permanent life insurance and that kind of thing, right? Like, so when I was getting out of residency and, um, and I'd gotten married and I just started making money and and, uh, and you know, the first baby was on the way. My, my thoughts already went to, oh my gosh, what if something happened to me? 
I need some life insurance, right? And from that point on, I was like asking questions. I was asking people questions all around me. And of course, I was working at a company with some young doctors and some old doctors. And one of the, um, you know, a couple of the hot shots were giving me their perspective. And they said, well, whatever you do, don't, you know, don't invest in permanent life insurance. Don't buy permanent life insurance. All you do is you buy term and you invest the difference. And then I ran into an old, older guy who I guess he'd come into some financial difficulties during the 2008, 2009. And um, I asked him the same question. I was like, well, what about, uh, what do you think what I do with life insurance and what companies do you use and all that kind of thing? And he says, he says, well, I can tell you that the only thing that I got left right now <laughs> is my life insurance. So he said, you got to make sure you have some permanent life insurance. And now I'm completely confused. And so I didn't listen to the old guy because I'm like, he's an old broke doctor. Who am I going to listen uh -huh. to? Like, I'm going to listen to that guy. I'm going to just buy term. So I just bought term originally. And then I started again. I started making money. I started some business. I was like, going to make you really decent money. And I joined this group of like business people and stuff like that. And I was sitting around a circle of, of you know, fairly wealthy individuals. And um, the topic came up. And what I was amazed by is that like almost half of them had a type of permanent life insurance, which we can talk about in a little bit called permanent or called premium finance uh, life insurance. And all of a sudden, I'm completely confused, right? Like, so the young, guy, the young whippersnapper doctor who seems to, you know, uh, know everything and was super sharp says, just term, the old guy who's broke, only has his permanent life insurance. And now I'm looking at these rich people and they do have permanent life insurance and something completely different from anything I'd ever heard of, which is premium finance. So obviously, there's something. I need to learn about, right? And that, and then when Wealth Formula started, and I met you know guys like you, it all started to make sense. Yeah. So let's. That's a long, long story, but that's my introduction to life insurance. So first of all, um, why don't we start with this question? So Rod, what's wrong? Okay. So why? What? How should we view life insurance? Let's 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 start from there and. Including in that included in that question is why are people often so dissuaded from looking beyond term life insurance? Yeah. So I mean to begin with, I would say everyone should have life insurance in some form. So right. whether you do the term or whether you go with some sort of permanent product, uh don't don't let whatever conversation happens today um, get to distract us away from the, the value of life insurance for your families, for your business partners. If you're investing in real estate or you're getting a loan on your business, life insurance often is part of that, right? So now really back at the heart of your question now, well, then why is there this big like debate about whether permanent life insurance, which includes whole life and index universal life, and maybe some very, very universal life. Why are there people out there that just hate these permanent life insurance products and kind of what the, the, the spiel you heard the by term and, and instead of putting any money in those, those other life insurance policies, invest all of those dollars in most of the time it's the stock market. Right. Right. And the two, two answers to that. The first one is that when you take, let's just go with whole life, you take a whole life policy in its most basic form and as an investment, it's not great. Don't, don't tell us put, why it's not great. Yeah. Don't put money in a whole life policy and think you're going to get rich off of it. Uh, mm -hmm. And the reason is because in its most basic form in the long run, you're going to grow cash value. It's built to grow cash value. It has a lot of guarantees associated with it. You'll probably end up with maybe a two to 3% tax-free return. Yeah. And if you think that sounds great, then go for it. Uh, we've, we've seen people who, you know, put a lot of money in CDs and, you know, 10 years ago when they were getting a half percent in their mm -hmm. CD, they they felt like two to 3% sounded pretty darn good, right? But yeah. my guess is, is that people who listen to this podcast aren't excited by that, right? right? And, 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 by the, and, and by the way, that I mean, I think that's uh, that product is the specific one 
that when when doctors who are coming out of residency, yeah. um, you know, they're making some decent money, and you know, they get we're, we're sort of like chum to sharks, right? Where all of these financial professionals start circling around because they see, you know, blood in the water, mm-hmm. and it's those life insurance people who approach uh, approach those doctors with this concept, and the reason, in part, is also because what those those uh, policies are structured to maximize the benefit to the to the person selling the insurance. Yeah, and I would also say toward the death benefit, right? It's yeah. it's yeah. you want to have as much death benefit as you can attached to that policy, and the way that we're doing it, where we're actually using it, and we'll, I guess we'll get into more detail on this in a minute, but um, we're building it in a way where we minimize the insurance on it and maximize the growth of the cash value that makes it a lot more valuable. We're creating a five plus percent net return that's tax-free. And again, you might say to yourself, well, I'm not as I'm not any more excited about 5% than I was about three, but, but the point is they're using it in conjunction with the other investing that you're doing. So you add an additional layer of profitability to the real estate, to your business, to these other things that you're investing in. Okay. So let's, let's take it one by one. Insurance. Um, so, you know, we've again. I talked about uh, multiple things already on the show, which is insurance. Is, you know, I've talked about asset protection. I've talked about it. You know, investing, and I've talked about you know uh, estate planning. So let's let's start with the those prongs because really, again, insurance now is covering all, all multiple aspects. So that's what what I I think is really interesting about it, and that most people don't know. But we start with the premise of it as an estate planning tool, and it can be more complex and is more complex than simply, um, you know, hey, I die and you get and, and my heirs get money. Mm-hmm. What is it? Tell, the, tell us the benefits from an estate planning standpoint, the more complex benefits to a higher net worth individual. And now I'm talking about, you know, those doctors and lawyers and you know people business people um in the context of uh in the context of estate planning in the context of you know estate taxes um giving this is a major concept that a lot of people in our group i've talked about this before with estate planning they don't think that they're ever going to have to worry about estate taxes because the idea is, hey, that's $22 million. There's no way I'm getting there anyway. Well, yeah, first of all, I think a lot of people will. But second of all, it's not going to be $22 million for long. It's even like cut in half as of next year, and it'll probably continue to get cut in half, right? Yeah. Yeah. So talk about life insurance in the context of estate planning at, at more than the most basic level. Yeah, I'll, I'll hit on a few things then, Brennan. Uh, you can kind of clean up for me. Um, but I mean, as base level, what what life insurance is doing is it's providing a few things. The biggest thing is, is is liquidity. So in other words, before we even start talking about estate taxes and things like that, if you've amassed your wealth in real estate, in a business, when you pass that on and and you know, going back to the kind of estate planning conversation you had before uh, where you were talking about you know, having it in a trust and doing these other things, making sure it passes on efficiently without having to start selling assets off to pay for probate and all those things. Well, well, this becomes another part of that. In other words, if you own real estate, you have expenses. If you're inheriting a business, there are going to be expenses associated with that. And you don't want to have to be selling equity in the business or taking a crazy loan or selling off part of your real estate portfolio to have liquidity to pay those expenses. So having life insurance in in conjunction with this passing on of the estate is a huge piece just for that liquidity. It it gives the the kids, the heirs, the liquidity they need to take care of all of the the different things that that come along with that transfer. Mm -hmm. That's the starting point. And then secondly, when you do start talking about estate taxes, well, uh, we would love to avoid having to pay the estate tax. And so again, you hit on different ways you can do that with trusts, with limited partnerships, different things like that. Um, but another approach that that can be help can help in conjunction with those things 
is to have life insurance that pays out at exactly the right time to help pay for any estate tax that may be due. And so you'd still want to do that inside of the trusts, right? Because life insurance, if, if I own the policy and it pays out when I die, it lands in my estate first. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if my irrevocable trust owns the life insurance, when I die, it pays out outside of my estate. It is not included in right. the calculation for my estate. So, but it's available with for my heirs to use to go and pay those estate taxes if there are any due. Yeah. Well, and if not, it's it's just a bunch of liquidity. So, uh, it, and let's let's drill down on that a little bit. Um, I talked about um, you know, and, and as you know, as you guys do my insurance, the the life insurance that I have is actually not owned by me. It's I, I mentioned in the estate planning. Um, uh, podcast that I did. Yeah. So what I was talking about it in my, uh, the soliloquy that was my podcast on estate planning uh, was about how I am structured. So uh, I don't, uh, I don't actually, uh, you know, I don't even actually own the life insurance policies. They are part of my, um, they're part of my, they, they are already, they were started and moved uh, to the, to the dynasty trust. So I'm not an heir. So when those when I pass away, those ultimately, you know, and, and as you guys know, I have like kind of a stupid amount of of term and convertible and all that stuff included. When that comes out and it's like, you know, $40 million or something like that, that's not subject to estate taxes because that's already okay. in, in out of my estate. So... So that is again. Uh, this is this is where the high net worth folks really kind of um, really utilize this, right? I mean, that's that's kind of it. I mean, and I'm not talking about people who are 100 millionaires either. I'm talking about people who've got five, ten million dollar estates and are starting to plan now, and um, they can get insurance and sort of make sure that. Uh, uh, that that part of uh, that the estate planning includes a significant amount of liquidity, right? So that right. that part of what people are looking at, yeah, and it's pretty common to do that with what they call a survivorship policy, where yeah. uh, it's there's a husband and wife, and what happens is the insurance in that situation pays out when the second of the two pass away, because that's when the estate is transfer is going to happen, right? So it's really right. common in that situation, right? Right. Um, Anyway, there is uh, the other thing I want to mention is that there are ways to make sure uh, without necessarily putting in a huge amount of money up front that the payout to your children, your heirs can be pretty significant. Now, I want to bring, you know, and I think we're going to kind of end up having to kind of go move back and forth on the different kinds of policies here. But a good a good example of that is. Um, something we have right now with those wealth accelerator, right? So the wealth accelerator can be used as an income play, a retirement play. And we'll get back to that when we start talking about investments. But I right now I'm looking primarily at the wealth accelerator as a way to significantly amplify the amount of money that I leave my kids. That's kind of really what I want to do. So use some examples of that. Like, you know, somebody putting in, I mean, and I don't, you guys talk about this a lot, so maybe you can use the numbers, but if you have, you know, you put in a hundred grand for, you know, five years or something like that, how much can that end up essentially almost, you know, like guaranteeing your kids? Like give, give us some examples. Yeah, it's a great question. So in, you know, say that hundred thousand a year for five years, um, and depends on age, depends on a lot of things when you pass away in this, you know, in, in these types of situations, it actually benefits your kids for you to live longer. So right, right. The, sometimes that's the joke. Like, well, I don't want my kids to, to, you know, want my demise sooner than later, but, right, right. but this is actually a situation where it gets bigger as you get older. So, uh, but if you did that and then you, and then you weren't taking the income, you just let it be the, the estate planning play, uh, you could end up with, you know, 30, $40 million of death benefit that pays out. Let's say you started it when you were, you know, 45 years old or something. Right. And then you die at 90. So I, again, I want to bring that back because this is, again, it's not everybody's priority, right? But this is something I would think about um, a lot, which is I could, you know, and am going to 
uh, be, you know, investing in, in my heir's future. You know, if I do $100,000 a year for five years, I could end up leaving an additional 30 to $40 million for my children. That sounds like a hell of an investment if you care about the future of your children and your heirs. I mean, it's just, it's insane if you think about the things that we invest in and stuff like that. And for me, what ends up happening is I start thinking about it as, hey, you know, I could screw up all of my investments. I could do things like so that there was nothing else to leave. But as long as I do this right, I'm going to leave them $30, $40 million. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, sometimes we'll get the comment of, well, man, that just sounds too good to be true. Like, how can that be possible? Right. And part of it is what you talked about earlier, premium finance. And we can talk a little more about how we're amplifying the benefit by using leverage. Uh, but the point is, I mean, that in, in that example, that's a 45 years worth of, of compounding. Well, the IRR on that might be something like, 14, 15%, right? So we're not talking about like a crazy, when you compare it to a lot of the things that that your listeners like to invest in. But when you take that for 45 years, you know, the 500,000 compounding at at that rate for 45 years, and then then it pays out and it pays out income tax-free. And if it's in that irrevocable trust, it's not subject to the estate tax. So- it's just a matter of understanding what it is, how it works, and then allocating some resources to take advantage of that. Right. And 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 what is it now? Talk about a little bit about why there is that um, multiplication of those dollars in in that uh, wealth accelerator that we just talked about. Yeah, and the the multiplication just comes from the leverage being used. So we like the the term conservative leverage. Um, so there's the growth inside the policy, but because we're leveraging dollars to fund that policy for all future years after the initial one, two, three, four, five contributions, that's how we're able to accelerate the return and get such a large number out of these policies is the conservative leverage we use, whether it's from the insurance company loans or from outside bank loans. Why do you call it conservative leverage? Yeah, that's a great question. Conservative leverage, the reason we use that term is because um, when we're using the insurance policies, we create enough liquidity inside of the cash value where the cash value is always enough to pay off that outstanding loan at any t- at any given time. So there's no point in time where the insurance policy itself couldn't take care of that loan. Uh, and so because of that, we use conservative leverage because you always have the collateral sitting inside the policy itself for that loan at any given point. Okay. And then, um, so basically it's your, you're doing the, a leveraged type of, uh, type of policy here with, with no collateral essentially. So that's, that's an additional benefit. So now, tr- now traditional premium finances, we've seen it before, does, does actually require a fair amount of collateral in many cases. Um, yeah. It's curious to me about this though, Rod, and, and maybe you can help me understand this, is that like the numbers I see for growth in a traditional premium finance really aren't any better than this. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Wealth Accelerator, I, I think, is a it's like the perfect mix and one of the biggest differences is in the actual loan that we're using instead of using a traditional loan in the traditional premium finance world we're using what's called the cash value line of credit and it's a subtle difference but it makes a huge difference in the long run because it makes us mobile we can have the loan at the bank we can move to a different bank we can move to the insurance companies like we're doing right now when interest rates at the bank would be 8% we're now getting loans at the, at the insurance companies at 5 5.7%. So right. that mobility makes a huge difference in in the way this works which what does that mean well it means that we're able to to more consistently create a good arbitrage between the growth we're creating in the policy compared with the interest that we're accruing on the loan that we're carrying on it so that we just get that amplified return or, or maybe put a different way. The, if we took the policy by itself and you paid all the premiums without any financing and you died and you, your family got the payout, 
your IRR on that might be somewhere around the five and a half to six percent range. Right. Okay. Again, tax free with all those other things. So that makes it great. But so how do I get from the six percent to the 14, 15 percent? It's the leverage. Right. Right. It's the same asset, but I didn't put all the money in. When you calculate it off of the dollars I put in, that's how you turn that six percent IRR into the 14. Right. Right. Okay. So I, I think I'll leave it at that with estate planning, right? Because basically, you know, some people are going to look at life insurance for different reasons. And it all really depends on where you are in life. I mean, um, if you feel like, you know, you're doing pretty good, you're not too worried about, you know, your your own retirement and stuff like that. Or you know, I, I personally don't think about it much because I don't intend to retire. It is never in my, my, uh, you know, my thought process that I'll ever stop trying to like work and, and make money. But, um, but anyway, so some people, you know, are going to want to think about this as an estate planning tool primarily, but then there's an other, you, you know, there's other uh, uses for this, which again, encompass so much of what the basics of personal finance are. We talked about estate planning and the next thing is, okay, what about retirement income, Right. So that's, again, we can now use the same policy for retirement income. And the fact that we're using leverage here can seriously save some people's ass who have not been planning, right? Okay, so you, I know, in a webinar have used the example of, you know, the physician who's making, I don't know, what was it, like a half million dollars a year or Mm -hmm. something like that, invest so much per year and over this period of time, get so much income. What was that all about? Tell us a little bit of, to, to remind us of that. Cause that's yeah. a one. Yeah. So the, the specific example on that was we were saying, you know, and an, a physician who wants to set aside money for retirement, uh, they're looking at doing it inside of a traditional retirement plan, which might include a 401k profit sharing, maybe a, a defined benefit type of plan, pension type of thing. Um, or instead taking that same money and putting it here. So we, we ran an example, $100,000 a year for 10 years that they're putting aside in here and and then leveraging that. And then what kind of future income could they anticipate taking out, right? right. And I don't have the numbers right, right off the top of my head, but it was roughly 25 million of income between age 60 and age 90. And then an additional 20 plus million of death benefit that paid out. Okay, so- person. So just to be clear, how old was the physician when they started? 45. 45, and they were putting how much in per year? 100,000 a year. 100,000 for how many years? For 10 years. For 10 years. Okay. So so effectively, you're 45. And this is a very common scenario, by the way, because a lot of us doctors, um, you know, we're in residency for so long. We don't start mm-hmm. making money and, until... A lot of times we're in our mid thirties and, and then, then you're going to buy a house and then you're going to like, you know, catch up on spending some money. And all of a sudden you're in your forties and you're like, oh man, I'm, I've done anything. And this stupid little, you know, IRA or this stu- stupid little 401k that I have is not going to get me there. I am totally screwed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, I mean, tell, I mean, that's a common thing, isn't Absolutely. it? I mean, you got to be hearing this all the time. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, and so now you're 45 and you can say, you know what? I can't, I can't afford to do a hundred grand a year, you know, mm-hmm. and that all of a sudden you know, and, and that's going to be like when, and when you're going to be able to start withdrawing that again, that example was at age 60. Okay. At 60, mm-hmm. you start taking that out at 60. How much were you going to be able to take out per year? So initially it, it ends up being about, I think it's like maybe 150, 200,000 uh, per mm-hmm. year, but that, amps up considerably over time. And so uh, obviously who knows what inflation will do, all these different things yeah. we get in our later years and, and, you know, healthcare and, and different things like that. So, so there's yeah. this increase of income over time. Right. Right. In that right. case, over the course of those 30 years that they're taking the income. Right. Right. Well, that's okay. So now that's the income play. Um, we've talked about uh, estate planning. We've talked about income play. Let's talk about another component, asset protection. There's an asset protection component, which we've covered here too. So how do you get asset protection from life insurance? So cash value life insurance is at some level going to be protected, have asset protection 
regardless of the state you live in, but it does vary from state to state. So um, we can avoid that or we can help with that by owning the policy in a different state. So maybe setting up a, a LLC in Wyoming or Nevada. Uh, and in so doing, we get that full asset protection. Um, but if you're the, the owner in the state that you live in, we need to make sure that the asset protection is there. Um, and in most cases, what we're going for is 100% cash value asset protection. And, and that is kind of the standard of what you want. Um, and what that means is, is any lawsuits, they can't come after any of that cash value. So any of the cash value that's going to produce the income down the road, any of the cash value that's going to produce the death benefit down the road, all of that is 100% protected from, from any liability. Got it. So, so again, now you've got, you've got asset protection in there. Um, another component of life insurance that we, um, we often don't think about permanent life insurance is the possibility of using it when, um, you know, when we're like disabled and stuff like that. You want to talk a little bit about that, Rad? Because a lot of people don't think about that, but there's a huge burden on your family. Um, yeah. And, and you can see it across the board. I mean, a lot of us have elderly parents and, you know, I mean, hopefully your parents are, are, are well to do enough where they can, you know, afford to take care of themselves. But, um, but in some yeah. cases, it's not going to be the case. So if you want to take care of yourself and not burden your children, how is this going to help? Yeah, great question. It's, then it becomes a, a huge topic recently, long-term care. Some states are even looking at implementing some statewide programs to cover it. Um, and the the types of policies that we write have a rider that come with them, and uh, it, it's meant to cover those types of expenses. So there is p- like pure traditional long term care insurance out there, right? And so someone can cover that need directly with that type of insurance. Uh, but if you have these these types of policies and it comes with this kind of a rider, the benefit that you can get for it covers the same types of things as the long-term care. So in other words, uh, they have what they call the six activities of daily living, things like feeding yourself and having mobility, et cetera. If you ever are able to no longer do any two of those, you qualify for the benefit. You can tap into, in this case, it's actually tapping into a portion of the death benefit while you're still living to pay for those expenses. Right. The, right. the second way is if you had some sort of a cognitive impairment, then that triggers it as well. Okay. So now we've talked about it again in all these different ways, but you can actually use, you can actually use life insurance to um, not only grow money in the policy itself, but this is getting, then you can start talking about um, ways of using life insurance to amplify other investments. This is a concept that is one of the first concepts that I learned about, which we've called wealth formula banking. And Talk a little bit about how that works, because again, a lot of people have joined this since we used to hit this hard. We used to hit the basics of wealth formula bank banking hard because it was kind of an interesting thing that I, I never knew about. Um, but and, and a lot of people use it for amplification of the investing that they are currently doing. So how does that work? Yeah, I'll, I'll start, and then Brian we can kind of tag team on it. But um, when we meet up with a lot of people who uh, are already investing in things like real estate or they may own a business and maybe they own the the building that their practice is in or whatever. And uh, But what they're doing is, is they're building up the in- money they're going to use for those investments inside of their savings account. They take that money, they go out and invest with it. It creates some sort of returns or cash flow coming back. They flow all that back into the savings account, build it back up and then go do it again, right? In, in different investments. They choose the savings account because of the safety and the liquidity. Right. They need the money when when it comes time and they don't want to risk it like putting it in stock market or something and and you know whatever it blows up before they're ready to access it. So they're using the savings account, but the, the piece they're missing is, is that it's not really creating much in terms of growth for them. Right. Even right. these days, a savings account that's getting one or two percent is not not that great. Right. Right. So instead with wealth formula banking, what we're doing is we're substituting that, I call it the opportunity fund place where I'm building up my money. Instead, we're using a optimized life insurance policy, like I described before, minimizing the costs, maximizing the growth of the cash value. And we have access to those funds to use to go out and invest, right? Right. So 
as I'm investing, I'm building up that account. I, I go and invest. I create the cash flows, flow it back towards that. It's the exact same flow. I'm just running it through this policy instead. Right. Right. When I when I access it, I'm not actually taking my money out of the account. I'm taking a loan from the insurance company against it. So what happens when I do that is now I have the money to go out and invest, but the money that I have sitting in my account, it stays there and continues to compound and grow even while I've leveraged against it to go out and invest in something else. So I'm quite literally, I have money growing in two places at the same time. And so that, again, that creates an, a layer of profitability in addition to the returns I'm getting in my investments, the same investments I was going to do anyway. I right. have this this growth happening in my policy. Right. And again, like that, that, that was to me, again, one of those things that was like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Right. I mean, you've got, I mean, what you're really talking about is like sweeping money through an account before you invest it. And you did an example, and I'm going to put you on the spot again to remember these okay. things, right? But, you know, we have our uh, WF Velocity ATM fund, um, which is uh, available to to, to uh, accredited investors. And and obviously the cash flow and the IRR on that are pretty high to begin with. I think mm-hmm. it comes out to like the, the, the uh, cash on cash is like, I don't know, 24, 25%, um, but it's for seven years. So it's a high internal rate of return. But simply sweeping that money through a wealth formula banking account before actually putting money into an ATM investment, you went from what kind of return to what kind of return? Do you remember? Yeah. So yep, on the pro forma, what it shows is 16.5% return on just just flowing the cash. And then if you get the the bonus depreciation and, and kind of the tax benefits as well, then it's like 30.7 or something. That's what the pro forma says. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you then uh, piggyback that and you're using like you take the loan from your from your wealth formula banking policy to make the investment and then you're flowing that back. What you're doing is you're turning that 16.5 into a 20.8 percent return or if you're at that 30% you turn that 30 into a 37% return solely by having run it through the policy yeah and, th- and that's all you're doing and so and in 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 addition to that you're creating estate planning you're creating asset protection yeah because again now the debt on that um presumably there's an asset protection element there too because it's a loan from an asset protected vehicle right Right. So in effect, you're, 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 you're protecting the ATM investment as well. Yep. So, um, so by just simply doing that and investing, you've got higher, you've got all the, you've got asset protection, you've got estate planning and, and you've just amplified your return by a fair amount. All yeah, and, once. and those loans can be used for anything. But they're but it's especially powerful in this kind of alternative investing world. Again, the ATM is a great example of that. Uh, real estate syndications, uh, your own business or someone else's business, mortgage funds, all kinds of different things that we see people using loans against their policy to go out and invest in. Again, the same things as, as they would choose to invest in anyway. Changing the flow, creating that flow through the policy, just adds that extra return. One of the things that I, f- I hear of all the time, and I, I almost guarantee that you do too, but you can confirm this is, okay, so what's the catch? Because all of this ultimately sounds too good to be true. I mean, you're talking about whether it's the wealth accelerator. My two favorite things are obviously, for me, I, the wealth accelerator, it's my favorite. And then wealth formula banking for a lot of people is one of, you know, it's something that I, th- that I got first into this area because of that. But um, those two things are sort of mind-blowing like when people hear it and especially now with wealth accelerator you know with with the numbers we've been talking about where you really don't even need to do any deploying of capital yourself you just sort of set it and forget it like the question is like how is this possible is this some kind of you know uh you know is this is this is this real and what i try to tell people is listen this is one of those things that I can tell you with some significant level of confidence that this this is not some scam. I mean, we're we're talking about Penn Mutual, we're talking about Mass Mutual, we're talking about these companies that have been around for over a hundred years and have never not performed, even in the worst economies we've ever had, even in the Great Depression, even in hyperinflation. 
Talk a little bit about that. What is your, how do you address the question of, is this too good to be true? And why don't more people know about it then? Yeah. Brendan, you want to cover wealth fund banking? Then I'll do wealth accelerator. Yeah. I think with uh, wealth form of the banking, one of the biggest things that people have to understand and overcome when thinking about this are the initial cost of these policies because insurance companies will front load those costs for the first year or two. And so you don't have full access to 100% of the funds you put in. You might have access to 75% in year one, 85, 90% in year two, and then year three, that's when you get into the 100% and 100% plus. Um, and so as far as a short-term play, if somebody's looking at it, you know, with a short-term mindset, four or five years, then it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people. But once you look at it in a 10 year plus time frame, then it really starts to make sense, especially when you consider you can utilize it for your wealth formula banking asset protection in phase one. And then phase two, you can switch it to some sort of tax free income stream in retirement. And then phase three is that estate planning. So it can wear the same policy can wear two, three, four different hats for you throughout your life, depending on what you need it for at the time. Right, right. And Rod? Yeah. And then on the Wealth Accelerator, um, we go into this totally being upfront about what the risks are because we don't want to be, you know, pretending like it's risk free, guaranteed, you know, all these things. Sure, sure. Um, and so specifically the two risks are number one, the p- part of what we're using in, in this plan is dependent on what happens in the stock market. Again, it's not invested in the stock market, but but it grows based on what's happening there. And so, well, what happens if the stock market is down for many years in a row, right? Great depression types of things. So that, that's one uh, risk. And then the second one is because we have the loan, we have the leverage, then interest rates matter as well. So what we've done is we've gone back and stress tested it against historically the worst case scenarios, again, the Great Depression on the the market side, and then the 1980s when it comes to interest rates. And our core design comes out uh, good in those scenarios. So from a historical standpoint, and, and by good, what I mean is we, in the long run, we still end up taking out a similar amount of income as we otherwise would have. And what that looks like is as long as we can get past the challenging times, things get actually really good. So think about it. If if I didn't participate in the losses of the Great Depression, then when it recovered, you know, the, the 40s and 50s were really good. And so it, it overcame those initial, you know, challenges in in again, and then some in our stress test, we actually end up creating more income in, in retirement in the Great Depression scenario than our baseline but you have to survive. You have to get past that tough right. time in order to get to the good times. And a similar well, thing this happens is a very important point that I don't think you've addressed is that the, the utilization of it is stock or stock market uh, based, but it's, it's using index universal life, yep. which is, which is basically giving you a stop at, you know, a floor. So you can't lose, you can't lose money. You just, you know, you're going to make either zero, maybe you make a minimum of 1%. I, mm-hmm. you know, it depends mm-hmm. what, the what how it's designed. So that's what you're getting at is if you could get through the stock market or get through the, the Great Depression without losing money, which is, you know, in itself kind of a feat, mm-hmm. and then get to enjoy this huge rebound afterwards, then you actually potentially even make up and in your model showed that you can actually make even more money in that scenario. Yeah. And a similar thing on the interest rates. So we're, we're in a tough time right now and and people say, well, man, does does that mean that this whole thing blows up? It's the bad time to get in. And actually the way I see it is uh, the higher interest rates help us. And you might say, well, man, how's that work? Right. I've got higher interest rates on my loan. Well, the fact is you do, but you also higher interest rates also makes the growth in the policies better as well. So when we look over time, in our projections, we use a 2% average spread between what we're earning in the policies versus what the interest that we're accruing in our loans, right? And year to year, that's going to vary. But when you spread it out over a long period of time, that's actually a pretty conservative number to use. But the when we see interest rates go up, when we see interest rates go down, yes, it impacts the interest rate on the loan, 
but it also impacts the interest, the, the growth we're able to create inside of the policies. And so because those move together, that's what makes it good. So even if interest rates kept going higher, stayed high for a long period of time, it doesn't matter in the long run because we, the higher interest rates are actually helping us as well. So there you have it. Um, ultimately, what's interesting too about this stuff is I always talk about the wealth formula, right? And there's a mathematical thing that I always talk about, which is what, it, you know, wealth, uh, wealth uh, creation is a function of these variables, which I call mass velocity uh, and leverage and mass being like putting the money in, like doesn't matter what kind of returns you get if you're not actually deploying capital. So that's the mass. The velocity is the return, uh, like, you know, the percentage return, how quickly you get your money back. And then leverage is, well, it's, it's other people's money, the bank and that kind of thing. And so you're using all of these all at once. And so it's almost like in my book, if you're going to do nothing else, grab yourself a wealth accelerator policy and just kind of, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're doing all of those things, right? But anyway, um, guys, I uh, want to thank you for being on the show. Um, the website, we've done webinars on these, these things before. Uh, we probably should uh, do them again sometime because I think some of them are aging right now. Um, but that's at wealthformulabanking.com. And um, people can watch the webinars. They can also contact you through there. Tell us a little bit about what the, the consult itself is like if people decide to, to you know, contact you. Sure. Yeah, our initial call, we, we keep it pretty basic. We want to learn a little about the individual, what they're doing, what brings them to that conversation. And then we answer any high-level questions they have about what they've seen with the strategies. And then usually what will happen after that is we have enough information. We can start putting together some projections. We also have some additional content that we'll often send in a follow-up email so they can continue learning about the strategies. And then we'll set up a follow-up meeting from there. And the, the purpose of the follow-up meeting is really, okay, now, now that you've seen a whole bunch and, and we've shown you some things that are more specific to you, just give us all your questions. Let's dive deep. Let's get to whatever level of, of detail will be helpful for you so that you can understand it enough to make a decision. I think it becomes pretty self-evident. I mean, usually I think in these scenarios, you see what you want and you can match it up with what makes sense. And um, anyway, uh, do yourself a favor, everyone, uh, at least have the conversation. I just, I feel very strongly that people ought to be focusing on these policies in, in part, you know, even if it's just for estate planning, I mean, even if it's just for term, okay, term and convertible insurance, maybe kick the, you know, use, have the option to convert later on if, if you want to do something like that. Cause I do think this is stuff that, you know, you, you should be thinking about if, if you care about your heirs and your family. Anyway, guys, um, thanks again for being on Rod Zabriskie, Brennan McConnell, uh, reach out to them, wealthformulabanking.com. Uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks so much. Bob. Thanks, Bob. We'll be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, I, uh, I hope you understand why I call this kind of a no-brainer. And again, I want you to uh, obviously, these are decisions you need to make, but I feel very good about, uh, you know, recommending that you look into this. At the very least, just look into it because because it's probably not the stuff you're seeing, um, you know, when you've seen or you've heard about permanent life insurance before. Um, the good news is here, too, that even though these are structured, these things are structured the way uh, high net worth people are looking at them. You don't have to be ultra high net worth or high net worth necessarily to take advantage of these same policies. There's, there isn't a lot of like 
floor in terms of limit, you know, limitations and who can participate. So go ahead and check it out. Um, contact those guys, wealthformulabanking.com. And let me know how it goes. Now, uh, as for uh, the rest of this week, there is another podcast coming up. I'm going to talk later on this week, uh, the pure back-to-school soliloquy from yours truly, and that will be about asymmetric investing. But that's it for this episode of Wealth Formula Podcast. I'll see you in a couple days. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not facts. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.